<clears throat> Good to be here this morning. Thank you for your thoughts and prayers and calls over the last uh, couple of weeks as I dealt with the case of the shingles. For any of you that didn't know that we're at the Christmas Eve service and didn't know why I was up there reading, it wasn't because I was trying to be godlike or anything. <laughs> it was because I was contagious. So, <laughs> Although Mike thought it would be appropriate to read God's Word from, from in the heavens, I guess, as the, as the case may be. Uh, very interesting. I have a new sympathy for anyone who has had or may ever have shingles. Uh, very, very interesting. There was some humor worked into the week. My wife uh, made this for me. <laughs> it wasn't as simple as purchasing a, a Phantom of the Opera mask because the Phantom of the Opera's mask, we found out, covers this side of the face, which really didn't work out for my uh, problem over on this side. So she had to get creative and, and make that. And then I, I got a phone call from the Halpins sounded mostly like Kathy singing over the Christmas season that traditional Christmas tune, shingle bells, shingle bells. <laughs> anyway, you've just, you've just got to laugh a little bit when you have something like this and, and learn what God wants you, uh, wants you to learn. Interesting, uh, interesting week, you know, the year end of 2006 and the beginning of 2007. I always like to catch those news programs that are sort of like the year in review, every, everything that's happened. You always forget so many uh, important things that have happened, but just this past week, uh, noticing the deaths of two previous world leaders and maybe contrasting those a little bit. Uh, President Ford, former President Ford, passed away this week, and I don't know if any of you happened to see his uh, memorial service in the uh, rotunda of the White House, uh, people speaking about him. And uh, I was familiar with him as a president, but didn't know a lot about him as a person. And those who did said he was a very humble, sincere, genuine, simple, uh, unpretentious sort of, sort of a, a man who, uh, who, who certainly... Uh, loved his wife, and, and that came out very, very well in that, in that service. And then, of course, we had the passing or the death of Saddam Hussein. And uh, I just found it interesting, the contrast between uh, the lives of those two men, both, uh, both dying in very different ways during the last days of 2006. So an interesting week uh, news-wise. And now we move towards 2007. I don't know if I've said Happy New Year yet to anyone, so I'll say Happy New Year. I'll spare you my singing of Auld Lang Syne. You can listen to one of those, uh, one of those <laughs> this evening. <clears throat> it does seem like only yesterday when we were preparing for Y2K, and now that's, that's seven years ago as we celebrate this this new year. Uh, you know from my previous teaching that my introductions are usually very long and my teachings are very short. I, I think this might break the mold here. Uh, I, I think uh, that uh, it, it could be the opposite way. Uh, back in October, late October, early November, during my quiet times, I was reading in Romans, and reading through Romans, and came to Romans chapter 12. I'm sure that's a passage that many of you are very familiar with. And then later that week on Sunday morning, Kent read the entire passage uh, during our open worship time. And I just thought, there it is, that confirms it. The next opportunity I have to teach, I'll 
I'll share from Romans chapter 12. And I almost did it on Thanksgiving, but I already had the Thanksgiving message uh, prepared. So uh, now you get Romans chapter 12 for, uh, for New Year as we, as, we enter, as we enter the New Year. It's a very fitting New Year's uh, message and passage, uh, I think even better for the New Year than singing Auld Lang Syne. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll use this morning to to look uh, to look at it and I did uh, as I was preparing decide to just teach on the first three verses uh, I found three really good treasures if you will uh, little nuggets in there that I that were were a huge help and challenge to me personally and uh, as I teach uh, again this is just always uh, the case God is working on me in these three areas and so I trust he'll encourage uh, and challenge you as well. We know from First Timothy that all Scripture certainly is God-breathed and very, very useful for, for teaching. And, and uh, so this morning, uh, I think you'll find that here in Romans chapter 12, as I did for, for my own life and continue to for my own life. And for the record, that's the introduction. So now we're gonna now we're gonna move into the teaching. I would like to read the entire chapter of Romans chapter 12 just for the context. Uh, 21 verses, so if you're there, follow along, and if not, uh, listen in, and and, uh, then we'll come back to the first three verses. Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, so these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in the proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who do not curse. Bless those and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. 
In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. That's actually the the title that I selected for uh, the message this morning. In view of God's mercy. It's a great place to start the new year, to start 2007. In view of God's mercy. It all starts with God and what He's done for us, for me, for you. We've been shown great mercy, haven't we? Mercy is punishment withheld, not getting what we deserve. Webster says it like this, receiving pity or favor. I like this one, kindness in excess of what may be expected by fairness. A disposition to forgive, kind treatment, a blessing. Mercy is all that and more with God in view of God's mercy. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's mercy. The just penalty for sin is death. But God has shown us mercy. In view of God's mercy, five little words that start this passage, which I believe have huge ramifications for all of us in the way we live our life. Maybe you're not like me, but I can take that mercy so for granted sometimes Um, I can think somehow I deserve it, or at the very least, I forget the price that God paid so that he could show me that mercy. Um, His son, his only son. Uh, Many of you know uh, Roger Ellis, our former pastor and and friend, and maybe I've shared this story before, but he and his wife Cheryl have three sons. And he's told me before, if any one of those sons had to die so that I could be saved... I was in trouble. Uh, He loves his sons, and to part with one of those was just not something he could imagine, but that's exactly what God did for us, isn't it? In view of God's mercy, he sent his son. May every one of our quiet times, every one of our prayers, every one of our days, every one of our thoughts this year start in view of God's mercy. If if, uh, you kind of zone out for the rest of the time I'm up here, but you just remember that we need to live our lives in appreciation, in view of God's mercy. Uh, that, that's good enough for me. Romans 5.8 says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It all starts with God and His mercy towards us. Verse 1 goes on to say, Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So our lives spiritually start with God and His mercy. Now we get a part to be a sacrifice. Yikes. Uh, but at least we get to be a living sacrifice. What's a living sacrifice? A sacrifice we know is something or someone who dies in place of another, right? Before Christ, the temple was a place of sacrifice, the place of slaughter, a, a place where sin had to be paid for, and day in and day out animals were brought in and, and killed in obedience to God and His law. Sin requires sacrifice, but we're to be living sacrifices. How can we be a living sacrifice? How can that be? Simply put, we're to die to self and live for Christ. To die to ourself and what we want and live for Christ and what He desires for our lives. Romans 13, 14 puts it like this, to clothe ourselves with Christ 
and not gratify our sinful nature. To clothe ourselves with Christ and not gratify our sinful nature. Colossians 3.5 says similarly, we're to put to death our earth, earthly nature. Living sacrifices. 1 Peter 4, 1-2 says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body as our sacrifice, arm yourselves with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, start there by the way we live our lives and appreciation of what God has done for us. Offer your bodies living sacrifices. There we get a part to live for Him and to bring glory and honor to Him. Verse 1 continues, Holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Holy and pleasing to God. Our lives, by the way we live them, become worship. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. I'm sure many of us parents have challenged our children in that area, and uh, I would like to challenge all of us in that area this morning. Whatever you do, absolutely everything, and everywhere you go, do it all in a way that's holy and pleasing to God. At work, yeah. Uh, building a tire, yeah. Uh, inspecting a bridge, yeah. Balancing the books, yeah. Taking care of patients, Wh- whatever it is that, that we do, we're to do it in a way that is holy and pleasing to God. Um, working at home, preparing a meal, you bet. Uh, students, homework, yes, that as well. Everything we do, every action we take, every word we speak is to be done in a way that is holy and pleasing to God. Our lives and how we live them are worship to God. The first catechism answers the question, what is the chief end or the chief purpose of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Our Creator designed us to be fulfilled when we are worshiping, when we, when we worship Him in our life and through our lives. In 2007, may your life be a life that brings worship to God. May you be holy and pleasing to our Creator. Verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. One of my favorite verses, one that uh, I taught Sam when he was uh, very young, and one that we continue to say. There's just so much packed in here. What are the patterns of the world that we're not to be like? Um, Pretty much everything, right? Ever watch a TV program? Uh, ever watch a TV commercial, Uh, ever pick up a newspaper, Um, ever see the magazines at the grocery store checkout line, Uh, ever go to the mall, Uh, I think you get my, ever leave your house, um, I think you get my, my point. The patterns of this world are all around us, and they, they don't, 
promote what's in this book, do they? They don't promote living lives that are holy and pleasing to God. Instead, they promote things like greed and lust and selfishness and pleasure and me getting what I want and pride and notice me and look at me and showing off. All of those things are promoted as part of the pattern of this world. They're, they're all about me, myself, and I and what I want, what I deserve, feeling like I'm really something. And from God and His Word, we know that that's exactly the wrong way to live. But our culture makes it feel so appealing, even tries to make it feel so right, don't they? But it's not about us. Remember, it's about God. Back to verse 1, in view of God's mercy, His good, His pleasing, His perfect will, it's about what He wants and not what I want. It's about Him. Christ knew we'd struggle in this area. If you think through the Lord's Prayer that we say uh, so frequently, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do you think Christ put that in there as He taught us to pray? He, He knew that we would need to pray for His will because the patterns of the world would be all around us and we would need to focus on Him. That prayer... Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is not a pattern of this world, but it is a pattern of God's Scripture in a way that we need to live and make us the kind of people that He desires us to be. Living our lives in a holy way is about bringing the God of the universe pleasure and glory. Isaiah 46.7 says this, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We were created for God's glory. I'm not the center of the universe. God is. Psalms 46.10 reinforces this and puts it so simply and powerfully. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. A more gifted teacher can I could do an incredible uh, teaching on that simple verse. Be still and know that I am God. Back to verse 2. Verse 2 hinges on one key word, renew. Renew, our word for the day, renew. We'll talk about that a little bit later. You've got all the patterns of the world with all of its yuck, if you will, over here. And you've got God and living for His glory over here. And you've got a gap in between them. And how do you bridge the gap? Well, if you don't know Christ, you bridge the gap by accepting Christ and His forgiveness for your sins. He's died and rose again so that we might have life. But this message, these these verses, these words are actually written to believers, Christians in Rome, who are needing to bridge the gap between how they live. And, and they've got the world and all of its yuck over here, and, and you've got God and His glory over here, and, and they're so tempted to live over here because it's all around them like it is for us. And how do you live over here in a way that brings glory and honor to God? Well, you bridge the gap by renewing your mind, renewing your mind. Uh, if anyone here makes New Year's, resolutions, I might challenge you just a little bit this morning uh, to maybe instead make a new year renewal or a new year renewalization, if, if you will, to renew your mind as we head in to 2007. 
What does it mean to renew? Uh, the dictionary has these three definitions, to become new, fresh, and strong again, to begin again, to revive. They all work, don't they? Renewing our minds. Uh, you've heard it said, many of you have probably said it, garbage in, garbage out. Never heard that, never heard that saying. It's certainly true with our mind, didn't The more important question, however, becomes how. How do we renew our minds? Scripture is full of symbolism, and I thought of the analogy of a tree. If you had a, a young tree out in your yard that you had planted sometimes back, and uh, it wasn't doing very well. As a matter of fact, it was, it was not growing, and it, and it was dying, and, and you decided you wanted to revive that tree. What would you do? Well, the first thing you'd have to do is you'd have to notice it. You'd have to pay attention to it. You'd have to go over and loosen up the soil around the tree so that it could receive the nutrients and the, the moisture. And, and then you'd, you'd supply the water and you'd supply the fertilizer. You'd give it what it was lacking. And then maybe it would need a little pruning. There might be a branch or two that would have, have to go. And lastly, I was thinking if there were some other trees or bushes or plants that were that were covering it, that were smothering it out, you'd have to trim those back so that the sunlight could come in. The same is true for us. If we're to renew our minds, to revive our spiritual lives, we've got to take action. We've got to do something. We we've, can't just keep doing whatever got us to the place where we look more like the world than we do like children becoming more like our Father God and His in His glory. The patterns of the world versus becoming closer to God and what He desires. To go from here to here in our lives, personally, we, we too need to loosen our soil just a little bit, don't we? We need to become humble. We need to realize our brokenness, realize our, our sin. We need to prepare our hearts, open our hearts, soften our hearts. to be ready for renewal and revival, to be brought back spiritually to life, to desire to become more like Christ daily. It all starts in our, in our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Once our hearts are soft and ready to receive the water and the fertilizer, which for us as Christians is, is God and, and God's holy word, we need to be on our knees before Him in prayer. Our minds will be renewed as we're putting God and His Word into our life. Every part of our life and every part of our mind. But we've also got to get the world and its desires out. Can you think of something that has to go in 2007? I was challenged in many ways as I thought this through for myself personally. Has God been telling you to do some pruning? Maybe you haven't done it yet. Maybe you haven't been able to do it yet. Maybe you just haven't chosen to prune that part off. I would suggest that his word says, now's the time. Tell someone if you need to. The accountability can be very, very important for us as we're trying to move ahead and trying to become children of God who are holy and pleasing to our Father. Pruning, a painful part of the process. Back to the tree, when we prune the tree, we get rid of the branches that are dying or not growing right, because if we don't, they will eventually rot, 
they will eventually cause the tree's own destruction, the tree's own death. And the same is true for us if we don't get rid of what needs to be gone. Insect and disease will invade and kill what was once a vibrant, young, alive tree. Get rid of anything you need to in 2007. Get rid of everything that is getting in the way of us becoming more like Christ. Finally, you may need to change your surroundings just a little bit. Uh, You may need to change who you're spending time with and where you're spending the time. If the forest around you makes it difficult for you to see the sunshine because you can't get to the light, then maybe you need to get rid of some of the darkness. Maybe you need to transplant yourself. Maybe you need to look for people who can help you become more like Christ. The obvious analogy, and this could look different for all of us, but the obvious analogy is that the alcoholic shouldn't be spending time in the bar around people who are drinking. That would be just too difficult. But it goes much deeper than that, doesn't it? If you are, are spending time with someone who is causing you to look more like the world and all of its yuck than Christ, then you need to rethink who and how you're spending your time. And I, and I should clarify, I know evangelism needs to happen. I know we need to rub shoulders with those who don't need Christ. And we need to share Christ. And we need to be in the world and yet not be of the world. But I guess the question I was asking myself is, who's influencing who? If I'm around people who are causing me to be more like the world, then I'm not quite ready to influence them yet, am I? I need to be spending time around people who will help me become more like Christ so that then I can influence people in the world, share the message of hope through Jesus Christ with those in the world. To use the tree analogy, your own tree needs to be strong and healthy before it can impact the forest, or else the forest simply smothers and kills and thwarts the young tree. Renew your mind and revive your soul Become the tree referred to in Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Make that a part of your New Year's renewalization this morning. Verse uh, verse number 3 of Romans 12. By the way, aren't you glad I didn't do the whole chapter at this rate? (laughs) Romans 1.3 For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. This verse goes just a little bit of a different direction than, uh, than uh, I was planning on teaching this morning, and, and I almost didn't include it, but the more I thought about it, the more important I thought it became, and I felt it was important for us to consider as we headed into 2007. That middle sentence really struck me. The one I read twice. Um, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. 
I won't take the time to fully develop that this morning, but let me share an observation with you and, and maybe some, some verses and, and truth from Scripture on this topic as well. How do you think of yourself? Do you think of yourself more highly than you ought, as Paul is addressing here? Or do you think of yourself as more lowly than you ought? I don't know about you, but I rub shoulders with a lot of people in a lot of different settings, Christian, non-Christian alike, and I, I see very few of us that get this one right, that see ourselves with sober judgment before God. I, I, I see folks who think more highly of themselves, and I see folks who think more lowly of themselves, and I certainly can struggle in each of those areas. Maybe you uh, aren't someone that Paul is referring to here, but uh, in, in this verse, verse 3, Paul challenges the Roman Christians not to be prideful, not to think too much of themselves. He says it again to the Galatians in chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he has deceived himself. And to the Corinthians in chapter 1, he says, No more boasting about men. Paul rubbed shoulders with, with a lot of people who needed to hear his message, needed to be brought down a notch or two. Have you heard that saying? Maybe you've used it a time or two. Or needed to have their head shrunk so they could get in the room. Um, Paul rubbed shoulders with people who needed to be deflated just a little bit. Is that, is that where we are this morning? If so, verses like Romans 3.23 come to mind, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Or John 15:5, apart from God, we can do nothing. I used to try to sneak a couple of different words in there on, on, uh, on Samuel and say, apart from God, we can't do much. Or apart from God, we can only do a few things. And of course, Samuel would catch me right away. You know how children, they know every word in a story. They know if you skip a, a page in a storybook. Apart from God, it's very clear we can do nothing. We need to remember our place before God. God and our place before Him. Teresa's been reading uh, Blaise Pascal's uh, Pensies, a, a book of, of his uh, spiritual sayings, if you will, over the last, last few months. And uh, as I was sharing with her what I was going to teach on this morning, she said, oh, I've got one you need to share. Blaise Pascal was a French mathematician, brilliant person, had lots of reasons to boast uh, in many ways, like Paul, about his earthly position. Absolutely a, a brilliant person that lived uh, some time ago. But this is what he says about himself. I try to be just, true, sincere, and faithful to all men. I have a tender heart for those to whom God has more closely united me. And whether I am alone or seen of men, I do all my actions in the sight of God who must judge of them, and to whom I have consecrated them all. These are my sentiments, and every day of my life I bless my Redeemer, who has implanted them in me, and who of a man full of weakness, of miseries, of lust, of pride, and of ambition, has instead made a man free from all these evils by the power of his grace, to which all the glory is due. As for myself, I would have only misery and error. Blaise, Blaise Pascal understood his position before God, didn't he? He did not think of himself more highly than he ought, but he thought of himself with sober judgment before God. 
but maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum, and at times, uh, I think many of us can be, where we think more lowly of ourselves than God would have us. We feel we're useless. We feel we're worthless, unlovable, hopeless, beyond help, have trouble receiving someone's love, let alone God's love. Paul's not talking to us here. The message this morning for us is very different if we're in that position. The psalmist speaks of us in Psalms 139, 13, and 14. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by a Creator who loves us. Or perhaps from the creation story in Genesis, when after God's work was completed, he, he looked at His creation, including the people that He had created, and said, it was very, very good. I was thinking back to Sean's message from, from two weeks ago, remembering that there were both kings and prostitutes, and, and everything in between, in the lineage of Christ Jesus, our Lord, on earth. The king, if you'll remember, had to be humbled. He had to be brought down, had to be broken a little bit, had to understand his place before God. The prostitute had to be lifted up, but both were desperately, desperately loved by God and both desperately needed God and his salvation. God can be help, help us become the person he wants us to be. He can help us see ourselves appropriately before him with sober judgment. So as we look to 2007 in closing, here are a couple of, uh, of things to take away and think about. From verse 1, our lives each day begin in view of God and his mercy. So be thankful and live each moment of each day for him. Verse 2, we're to renew our minds. In 2007, put God and His Word regularly in and keep the world and all of its pollution out. And in verse 3, don't think too highly or too lowly of yourself, but remember we're all sinners saved by grace, so valuable that God orchestrated a plan to save each and every one of us who would call on His name. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word and for uh, what it can teach us this morning. Lord, I thank you for the way it, uh, it can just penetrate into to my heart. Lord, I would ask that you would help me to, to not just hear, not just speak these words, Lord, but um, in these upcoming moments, in these upcoming days and weeks, and certainly in 2007, give me opportunities to, to live for you in a way that is holy and pleasing. Lord, and as we pause now to worship you, we just uh, are enjoying being in your presence and offer our praises to you. In Jesus' name, amen.